Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning and welcome. Welcome to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I want to welcome everyone who's listening, whether you're listening over the internet, over WOLDCnews.com, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell.com. If you're listening over Radio One, WOL 1450 AM here in the nation's capital, welcome to Law Talk. Today we're going to talk about something that is close to my heart and close to everyone's heart, I think. And that is what happens from a legal perspective when your parents die. What happens when your parents die? What happens to their property? What happens to their money? And, you know, how does that work? Because everybody goes through it one way or the other. And so let's talk about, we're going to talk about that today. Right now, you're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, where we bring you information that you really don't get anywhere else. It's important information. It's practical, down-to-earth information. And because this is talk radio, you are welcome to and encouraged to call in and ask questions. You can call in while I'm on the air, and I'm here for an hour and a half. So call in early at 1-800-450-7876. If you have questions about property, about deeds, about wills, about power of attorneys, you know, trusts, call now. This is a great opportunity to get much-needed information. This is why I do this program, so that people can find out what happens and how to create the kinds of protections that will preserve and pass on your legacy? How do you create intergenerational wealth? We all can do this, but there's certain legal things that you have to do to make it happen. And so that's what Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell primarily brings you. I also have guests from time to time that talk about other things that I think are important for you to know about. But my primary focus is How do you protect your property, and how do you make sure that you pass it on the way you want and create intergenerational wealth, as most people would like to do? This program is sponsored by my law office, Wills and Trusts, LLC, where we prepare wills, trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives. We assist people in administering estates and trusts. So if you or someone you know needs a will, a power of attorney, advanced medical directives, assistance with looking at their deeds and making sure they say what they want them to say, give us a call at 240-638-2828. 240-638-2828. Law is powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It impacts everything that you do. What you don't know can hurt you, and what you do know empowers you. So the object of this program and soon-to-be podcast is to empower you by bringing you information that hopefully is useful for your understanding and for your education. Please remember, however, there's no attorney-client relationship established by anything said on this program, the podcast, or on the website. You must go to a lawyer 
for your individual situation. Each person's circumstances really are quite different, and you need individual counsel to get these documents prepared and to get your your property and your assets in proper order. So let's get started. What happens when parents die? What happens? What happens to their property? What happens to their bank accounts? What happens to all the promises that they have made and the things that they've told you about that they want to have happen? We're going to talk about, from a legal perspective, what happens. Because when your parents die, it is traumatic. Emotionally, it is one of the most pivotal times in your life. And since all of us are going to die, it is important for us to make, or at least to know about it and to encourage Number one, if we're parents ourselves, to make proper arrangements for that eventuality. And number two, for you to know at least and be able to suggest to your parents that they contact a lawyer to get these things done. Because I'm going to tell you what happens from a legal perspective when a person dies, particularly if they are a parent. We're going to talk about it from when they have a will. And when there is no will, the first principle that I want you to know is that nothing happens automatically. In law, when it comes to property, and that's bank accounts, land, houses, certificates of deposits, stock brokerage, but particularly houses. One of my good friends yesterday said something to me uh, that made me, and he's very intelligent. He's very well educated. He's very intelligent. He's not, un, he's, he's not, he's sophisticated in many ways, very accomplished and successful. And he made a statement that made me realize and, and it really motivated me to do this program. He said, I guess when uh, my, my wife's done, mother died, the house automatically went to the children. And I was like, no, it does, nothing happens automatically in law when it comes to property. Nothing happens automatically. There has to be a piece of paper that is signed, executed by the appropriate person to transfer property at death. A lot of it has to do with what did the parents do before they died, okay? When we talk about what happens to property when parents die, we have to first look at what did they do before they died? Do they have a will? Do they have their deeds? Do you know where their deeds are? Do you know where their bank accounts are? Do you know if they have life insurance? Do you know if they have retirement accounts? And I mean no in the sense of having the paper that says New York life insurance policy, insured 
name of parent, death benefit, beneficiary. That's what I mean when I say, do you know if they have life insurance? Do you know where their bank accounts are? Do you know where the statements are for their bank accounts? Do you know if their health insurance will pay for their medical care? Have they prepaid for their funeral? Have they prepaid for their burial? These are uncomfortable questions. They are uncomfortable. I admit that. But they are real things that need to be faced in a way that is it's very clear. When I do estate planning for clients, I just make sure they have all the pieces of paper. They have one statement from their bank account in their book. Doesn't matter how much is in the bank account. What matters is somebody knows that they had, as of that date, an account at such and such a bank. Somebody knows and can look in their book and know, okay, mama had a bank account at SunTrust. Daddy had a bank account at M&T. You know, so-and-so had a bank account at Bank of America. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to point your heirs, your successors, your beneficiaries in the right direction. They don't have to know how much money you have in your bank account. Their name doesn't have to be on the, on the statement. They don't even have to see the statement. But what's important is that they know that you had a bank account. As each year, you should update your records and print out a bank statement from each account that you have. Do not depend on everything being in your computer because bank statements get frozen when somebody dies. So nobody knows where your money is. Nobody knows any of those things unless you print out and have available the, the, the documentation that shows here's my deed, here are my bank statements, Certificates of deposits have a way of getting lost because nobody knows you have a certificate of deposit. And and if you have parents 70, 80, or 90 years old in Washington, D.C., I bet you a dime to a dollar they got a certificate of deposit at Industrial Bank. They have a bank account at Industrial Bank if they're black because that's what that generation did. They supported that bank. They put their money in that bank. But unfortunately, certificates of deposits. The bank statements don't come every year, every week. They don't come every month, rather. They come maybe once a a year, maybe every quarter, but you can always get them. And if you have a copy of one, then the bank can trace it, all right? So first of all, where are the financial accounts? Have a statement together. And I'm just recommending that this be put in 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 a book that you can tell your children, this is where my important papers are. This is where my will is. This is where my deeds are. This is where my uh, bank statements are. This is where my life insurance policies are. This is a statement from my retirement account and any other benefits that you might have. Okay, so we're going to just go through very quickly just basic stuff that a lot of people don't know until they have to go through it. Number one, when somebody dies, 
the medical examiner or a doc, if you're in a hospital, the doctors or someone, a medical person will pronounce you dead. If a person dies at home, someone from the medical examiner's office has to pronounce you dead, okay? Doesn't happen automatically. The funeral directors register the death within a certain number of hours. The Office of Vital Statistics issues the death certificate. Usually a funeral director will get the death certificate. Do you have any information about what your parents wanted when they died, when it came to being buried, who would conduct the funeral services, all those where they are to be buried. It is important to know these things. And again, put them, put the documentation for it, the certificate of ownership of the burial vault, the prepaid insurance. A lot of people prepay for their funeral expenses and they have either insurance or they have contracts with the different funeral homes, whether it's McGuire Funeral, uh, Jenkins. You know, there are many funeral homes in this area. And in any state that you live, there are. And most of them allow you to prepay for your funeral uh, arrangements and for the burial, okay? So if you do, put it in in, in, in the same piece of paper where you you have in the same book where you have your other important documents and tell your children or whoever's going to take care of you where these documents are. So let's go on now more specifically to the legal part of transfer of property. The law likes for a live person to own all property. The law does not like to have deceased persons being the only name on the public record for ownership of property. And so it encourages you, almost forces you to make that happen or there are consequences that can happen, okay, when you don't or when you leave it alone for such a long period of time. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. And today I thought I would talk about something that happens all the time, and that is what happens when your parents die? What happens to their property? So if you have a trust, there's no need to record the trust in court. There's no need to wait to act. When you have a trust that's been properly not only executed, but what we call funded, where your bank accounts are in the name of your trust, your successor trustee identifies themselves to the bank with a copy of the trust, and they get immediate access to the money. They can immediately access your bank account. Quite often, my clients, successor trustees, have been working with them all along before they die. Sometimes we actually amend the trust so that the successive trustee becomes co-trustee. They go to the bank, they get their name on the bank accounts as co-trustee. And so there's no, there's no uh, interruption in access to funds. The only difference is when someone dies and they had a revocable trust, 
The law says at death, the trust becomes irrevocable, meaning it can no longer be changed. And you must get an EIN number, an employer identification number for the trust, which identifies this now as an irrevocable trust and separates the transactions between when the person was alive and after they died. Your lawyer will get the EIN number for you. You take it to the bank. They record that against the account. And the successor trustee gets access to the money. They can pay for the funerals, pay the bills. They still have to pay the creditors. If you want to, in some states, you can file a notice in court. You don't usually have to at all. And you can publish in the paper notice that someone died and that creditors can file. But you don't have to. It's up to you. The other thing that's important when it comes to property, because most people call homes and land property, so I'll, I'll use that term for lands and homes, the, the trustee is able to immediately sign a deed or have your lawyer prepare a deed from the trust to the person that you named of property that's in the trust. So let's say Mr. Robert Jones in his trust said his son, Mr. Matthew Jones, was to get his house. Mr. Matthew Jones is probably going to also be the successor trustee. As the successor trustee, the lawyer signs, creates a deed from him as trustee to himself individually. That deed is recorded. There's no recordation or transfer of taxes, and that property now belongs to Mr. Matthew Jones, as was directed in Mr. Robert Jones's trust, okay? So that's how a trust would work when your parents died. If you have questions, please call in now. Now's a good time to call and ask questions. We're going to continue to talk about what happens when your parents die from a legal perspective, what happens to their property, what happens to their bank accounts, and remember, nothing happens automatically. Nothing happens automatically. Everything depends on what the parent did or did not do before they died. So when you have a, if you have a question, now's a good time to call in, 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. If you wonder what happens, you know, we're about to get into now talking about what happens when there's a will and what happens when there's not a will, okay? In fact, why, yeah, why don't we do if there is no will? Because that happens quite a bit, all right? When a person dies without a will, the law takes over the distribution of their property. The law does not take the property from the family. Okay, please understand that. Many people have told me that they think that, well, if somebody died without a will, then the government comes in and takes the property. That is not true. What they may see happening is it looks like the government just came in and took the property because there was no will. But in fact, what has happened is nobody 
that had the authority, which would be their wife, their children, their grandchildren, or their next of kin, none of the next of kin went into court, stepped up, made sure that the taxes were paid, the lawn was mowed, the you know, the 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 government provisions having to do with property, whether it's uh, paying the taxes. If you don't pay your taxes, then yes, you're going to lose the house because they're going to sell it in taxes. But if you do pay your taxes or if you sell it and then pay the tax off and you keep the money in your own pocket, that's a different thing. If you don't pay your mortgage, the mortgage company will indeed foreclose on the house and come and take the property. But if you become properly uh, uh, authorized by the by the um, court, which we're going to talk about shortly, then you're able to sell the property, pay off the mortgage, and keep the money that was left over, which in certainly in this area is often quite a bit. Uh, the law does not actually take, you know, the government doesn't take the property per se, but if the next of kin abandon the property. In, in D.C., for example, if the lawn doesn't get mowed or the house is left vacant and open to vandalism, um, it, it, you know, there is a law that allows the government to fine you. They slap big fines on you, which are substantial. And, you know, if it's in an estate, I've had clients to get that you know, reversed, um, and but they do have to keep the lawn good and keep the you know the the house in appropriate condition. But it's not that the government doesn't take it; it's that the next of kin hasn't done anything that the government requires. So remember that if nobody gets in touch with the mortgage company, they are going to get their money back. They're going to foreclose and get their money back. Okay. So, but what does happen is by not having a will, the parent has given up the ability to say who's in charge and who gets. If your parent does not have a will, they give up the ability to say who's in charge and who gets what. And that's really important for them to say and for them to do. So we're going to go into that in more detail shortly. But I I really, you're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, and I'm urging you to please encourage your parents to have, to get a last will and testament done, please, because it makes all the difference in the world. Encourage all persons that own a house Make sure they have a will. Make sure they say who the executor is or personal representative is going to be. Make sure they say that that person can serve without a bond. That can be very helpful, particularly where people have bad credit. You can't get a bond if you have bad credit. But if you say that they serve without a bond in your will, the court will go along with that. Even if they exist on a nominal bond, as Maryland does, it's still going to be very low, and they won't have to go through a, a credit check, okay? That's a big deal for a lot of people. Make sure that you say who gets your property. But as with everything in the law, there 
could be another piece that overrides your will, and that's your deed. That's your deed. You hear me say every week, and anybody that contacts me about doing estate planning knows, one of the first things I always say is, if you own a house, I want to look at your deed. I want to look at your deed because the deed supersedes your will. The deed supersedes any written document that you have. The recorded deed, the publicly recorded deed, is the first line of legal uh, direction when it comes to what happens to property. And this becomes very, very important when you have property that is owned by someone who has remarried, uh, who has maybe is in a blended family situation, because if when you remarry, you put the second spouse's name on your deed as tenants by the entirety, then regardless of if you said your house goes to your children, if you die first, that spouse now owns the house outright entirely, and their children or their will will govern and that what happens to that house and their will or their law of intestacy as it applies to them will even override with well it, it becomes the most important or the dominant legal direction regardless of what your will says. And just very quickly what I'm trying to say is if Mr. Robert Jones owns his house, he marries Miss Martha Jones. Maybe this is a second marriage or something. It doesn't really matter. But he says in his will, I want my son to get my house, Mr. Matthew Jones, when I die. Maybe with a life estate to my wife. But as so often, he puts Miss Martha Jones' name on his deed as tenants by the entirety. Well, guess what? That deed overrides his will. And so instead of his son getting the property, his wife's got the property, and she can do what she wants to with it. We're talking about what happens today. What happens when your parents die? One of the most dramatic and fundamental, pivotal points in your life. You need to know what happens to their property. And as I said before, nothing happens automatically, at least not without effort and preparation. Okay? So... This program, as always, is brought to you by my law office, Wills and Trusts, LLC, where we prepare wills, trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives. We assist people in administering estates. We look at your deeds, and we try to advise you and counsel you so that when the inevitable happens, the property that you have spent your life, the money that you have made all of your life, is transferred and delivered in the most efficient, quickest, least amount of taxes um, uh, way possible to those that you desire, those that you have designated in your wills, those that you have, we have arranged to receive your properties and your deeds, whatever it is. Um, that's all we do. We don't do will. We don't do uh, criminal law. We don't do divorce. We don't do 
anything but wills, trust, and estate planning. That's all. So give us a call at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. Today, as I said, we're talking about what happens when parents die. Something happens to their property. In the United States, property is owned by the persons whose names are on a deed. Deeds are public records. There needs to be a change in a deed when somebody dies. That change is to go from the name of the deceased person to the name of the person who is alive, who is entitled to receive it. It does not happen automatically. Something has to happen. The law says you have to be, you know, you have to do certain things. So number one, start with having copies of your deeds or the deeds of your parents. Number two, recommend strongly, blame me if you have to, that your parents have a last will and testament that is done by a lawyer that does these types of things and that that lawyer look at their deeds as well. Just before the break, I tried to give you an example of a situation that's occurring more and more because people don't understand fully what happens and they don't come to a lawyer to have somebody tell you what happens when you make changes to your deed. So let me repeat what I said just before the break. I'm attorney Ethel Mitchell. This is the only kind of law we do. The name of my company is Wills and Trust LLC. We can be reached at 240-638-2828. 240-638-2828. Mr. Robert Jones. I like Mr. Robert Jones. I like that name. So Mr. Robert Jones owns his home. Perhaps his first wife had died and perhaps he married again. He married Miss Martha Jones. And as is often the case, when people get married, they think that they have to or they should put their new spouse's name on their deed. I always tell people, no, you don't have to do that. If you want your your biological children or the children that are not the product of your marriage to inherit from you, you do not put your second spouse or your next spouse who's not their parent on, you don't put their name on your deed. Because when you put your spouse's name on your deed, unless you make specific arrangements with a lawyer to say that the deed is not tenancy by the entirety. The deed will be tenants by the entirety. And so if you die before your second wife or husband, their will, their children will inherit your house and not your children. Let me be even clearer about it because this is important, regardless of what your will says, okay? 
So Mr. Robert Jones was married to Miss Claudette Jones first. And they, Mr. Robert Jones and Claudette Jones had a son, Mr. Matthew Jones. Then Mr. Cla- Miss Claudette Jones died. He marries Miss Martha Jones. But he wants his son, Matthew, to have his house. He may not mind if his new wife stay in the house after his death for her life, but he wants his son to have his house. If that is so, do not go to your lawyer, get advice. Do not put Miss Martha Jones, the second wife, on the deed. Because if you do, and you ma- and you die first. If Mr. Robert Jones dies first, Miss Martha Jones, as tenants by the entirety, as a surviving tenant, now owns the house. And Mr. Robert Jones's son, Matthew Jones, does not inherit from her. At best, she is a step. He is a stepson, and stepchildren do not automatically inherit from their step-parents in very rare circumstances when no, there's no other family, you know, children, brothers, sisters, parents, cousins, all kinds of, then maybe the stepchildren will inherit automatically. So what I recommend is Mr. Robert Jones will say, don't change your deed, but his will can say, I give my house to my son when I die, but I, Direct that he allow or I give my wife, my new wife, a life estate in the house. That means she can continue to live in the house. But when she dies, it goes to his, his son. Or in some instances, he simply gives it to his son. And because maybe Miss Martha Jones, his second wife, has children of her own. Maybe she has a house of her own and she can move to her house. Either way, what happens to your parents' house depends on what they do before they die. That includes the deed, that includes the will, and they need a lawyer to tell them what comes first and look at both of them to make sure that they are coordinated to result, to give them the result that they need, that they want at least. Okay, so if you don't have a will, the law takes control and says what happens. The law says who's entitled to be appointed as personal representative or executor, and there's certain priorities. So the spouse usually has the first priority to be appointed. After the spouse, then The children have equal priority, and that's where a lot of fights come in. You may have three children. All three of them want to be in charge, or maybe one wants to be in charge and the other one doesn't want them to be. So if you don't have a will, you don't say who's going to be in charge. Then I've seen cases where houses have been lost because nobody can agree on who's going to be in charge. Or what happens is the court steps in, and they say, well, y'all can't agree. So we're going to say who's going to be in charge, okay? Um, Or we'll stop that. So we're going to continue, but we've got to go to break. But we are going to continue, and uh, we'll keep talking about this, okay? 
before the break, I was talking about one of the most important factors about having a will, and that is determining who's in charge and what's going to happen to your property. The very act of just saying which person, and remember, the person that you name to be the executor of your will or personal representative of your will does not have to be a relative. It can be a good friend. It can be a brother, a sister, a spouse. I always like there to be more than one person, like one person and then an alternative. You know your family. You know who's going to do what's right, and you know who's not going to do what's right, okay? So you know who's going to keep the family together, and you know who's going to be disruptive. So name somebody that you know is going to follow the law, is going to be trustworthy, and that's who you name to be your first choice to be the personal representative. If you don't name, and, and then if they can't act, name a second person. Um, when you have a will, you also get to say who gets what. And this becomes really, really important, particularly when you have children who are stepchildren. I talked about that last week, and you want them to inherit. So if you were raised by a step-parent and that parent dies, please make sure that they have a will that names you, okay, that names you as, the, as, as an heir, because otherwise you may not be able to inherit from them. If you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you want that person to inherit from you, you absolutely have to have a will in order to protect them to make sure that they are, they receive what you want them to receive. If you don't, they won't. Okay, pure and simple. When you don't have a will and you don't have a spouse, or and you do have a spouse, but you don't have children, still your spouse might not get everything because the parents in many states will come in and take part from your spouse. And I've had that to happen quite by, you know, people think, well, don't worry about it. I don't have any kids, but I'm married, so my spouse will get everything. Not so. Just have a good will done and say, I want my spouse to get everything. It makes a huge difference, especially when you have my children, because at least if your will says my spouse gets everything, they have control so they can manage the house for the benefit of the children. Okay? That's really important. If there's no spouse and no parents, then your sibling gets unequal shares. And you may well have one or two siblings who are better off than others. And so you might want to say a particular sibling, a sister, a brother, they're the ones that's going to get because the others already have. Uh, And if so, your will can say that. But when you don't have a will, then the law takes control and it will govern the disposition of your money as well as your home or homes and any other properties that you may have. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Make sure that these things are done. It's very, very important. It's very, very important. Make sure that your parents have a will. 
Make sure that you know what the deeds say. Make sure that you know where the bank accounts are. Make sure you find out what, if any, arrangements they've made for their burial, their funerals, and, you know, um, uh, and if there are any contracts or insurance policies, get copies of those and put them somewhere where they're easily available. Welcome back. We've been talking today about what happens when your parents die from a legal perspective. If you have questions about these things, call in at 1-800-450-7876. Money is a funny thing. Money is, is, you know, it has destroyed a lot of families. It's created a lot of disputes and dissensions. Um, And you can really avoid a lot of that, or you can certainly make it so that your wishes are clear. And you, by doing so, in a will or a trust and a legally enforceable one at that, the law will enforce your wishes. You, if you don't, then almost certainly your 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 property is going to be greatly diminished by fighting and and fussing and lawyer fees and stuff like that. It, it's just shameful what happens when people die without a will or without a trust, and there is um, just a lot of fighting unnecessarily. It makes such a big difference. When you have uh, property that is in a will, let's just say it's a will. Another misconception that I've run into is people think that the named personal representative or executor owns the property. No. The executor or the personal representative simply is the person that is appointed and empowered to manage the property and collect the money, pay the bills, but their job is to distribute the property according to the terms of the will or according to law. They don't automatically own the property by themselves. So again, even if there is a will or without without a will, once your sister or your brother is named as personal representative, stay on them. Keep up with them. Do not just let it go and go and go for years and years and years. There needs to be a deed from the personal representative to the heirs if there is a um uh, a, without a will, it needs to go to where the law says it goes, meaning there's a deed. The deed says it goes to the spouse and the children. There needs to be a deed that says that. If the, if the law says or the will says it goes to the spouse, there needs to be a deed from the personal representative to the spouse. The, the law wants a live person's name on a deed. So keep that in mind. The law wants a live person's name on a deed. And it is only a live person that can sell the property. Okay? So even when you have a house that's in an estate or that's owned by a deceased person, the personal representative appoints
appointed by a court can sell that property usually, okay? Sometimes the court will appoint somebody and say, but we're not giving you the right to sell the property. They may limit them. And that often happens when there is not, um, when the person can't post a bond or when there's such dissension between the families that the court wants to supervise the entire process. Um, Sometimes they will actually appoint a lawyer uh, to be the personal representative. Uh, If they're minor children, they may insist that someone, and might be the parent, be appointed as the guardian. But as the guardian, they are often restricted in all the money that they receive as guardian has to go into a special restricted account. And they have to ask permission from the court to use the money in that account. And the bank is notified of that. So they can't just go in and raid the account. They have to actually get permission from the court before they use the money that belongs to minor children. So you're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. I'm trying to give you some ideas about what happens when your parents die. What happens to their house? what happens to their property, what happens to their bank accounts. When somebody dies, the personal representative is also supposed to do an accounting. It's not just that they get the money and do what they want to with it. If you're an heir, or what's called a legatee, meaning that you're supposed to get money from the the estate, until you get your money, you're entitled to an accounting. Now, once you get, let's say, a legacy is a person who's named to get money. And say the will says, give $10,000 to Mr. Um, Bertrand Smith. Mr. Ber- no, Mr. Bernie May. Mr. Bernie May Smith. When, Ms. Mer- Mr. when the personal representative gets the bank accounts and so on like that, and he pays Ms. Ms. Bernie May, what did I say, Bernie May, whatever, a Smith, then he has been paid and he no longer gets an accounting. But if Ms. Martha Smith gets, is what we call a residuary legacy, she gets everything else that's left over, then Ms. Martha Smith is entitled to an accounting of everything that came into the estate and what happened to it. So let's go back and talk a little bit more about the details of what happens to people's bank accounts. We've talked about what we're talking today about what happens when parents die. When parents die and they own property, the first thing you do is you look at the deed. Does the deed have anybody else's name on it? If the deed has a a spouse's name on their tenants by the entirety and they died before the spouse, then that spouse now owns that property. And that spouse will determine what happens to the property. Even if the will says something different, the deed supersedes. Let's say the parent dies. There's nobody else's name on the deed, okay? So then it's different. The deed is part of the estate. The estate is governed by the personal representatives, 
which is who is appointed by the court. So if you have a will, will doesn't act automatically like a trust does. Trust acts automatically. A will, you have to go to court. The judge, you have to file papers, a petition, inventory. You have to give the names and addresses of all the people that would have inherited without a will. So it's important to know who those persons are. Even if you have, let's say, your mother had two children, and one of those children died before her, but that child had children, you have to name, you have to list those children and know the grandchildren and their addresses, okay? And they are entitled to receive notice of her death and of the will being filed. If there's a will and it says everything goes to the surviving child, then the grandchildren are only entitled to receive notice. Uh, They can come in and dispute the will, but that's all. They don't get anything because the will says, even though I had a predeceased child, my property goes to my surviving child. That really protects the surviving child, okay? Because without that will, that surviving child has to share the estate with the children of his predeceased sibling. Okay? So the will makes a huge difference. It really can. When you have a will, you file your papers in court. The petitioner is usually the person named to be the personal representative. Give the court the information and you ask for appointment as personal representative. And in Washington, D.C. and Maryland, letters of administration issue from the court. All right? They say this person has been named personal representative and it authorizes the banks and anybody else with property for the deceased person to turn over that property to the personal representative. When I come back after this break, I will go into details on how the bank account, how that money gets into the estate, what happens to the parent's money, where does it go, how it's being handled, and how it's a slow process. It's not as fast as you may think. And it's controlled. I see a lot of that happening where People did not take the time. They did not spend what little money it cost to to make sure that the great deal of value that they have is distributed in the way, in the best way that is possible, that it gets to the people that they want, the people who are going to preserve and protect it, and really use it to create intergenerational wealth. Because when you have your parents' property, and you're able to either pass that property to your children or your grandchildren, or even if you can't afford to do that, if you're able to take that money that you got from that property and pass it on to your children, help it to grow, use it for your own uh, uh, self to make you a stronger, wealthier, more secure a person, and which in turn will 
in legal terms, inured to the benefit of your children and your grandchildren, that's how intergenerational wealth is created. That's how it, it happens. And then you teach your children to do the same thing. You make it clear that you expect them to respect and honor the, the hard work of their ancestors and of yourself. Okay? So one of the things that's a bit of a mystery and a surprise to people is that even when you have a will, the money and the assets are not transferred immediately. It is not automatic. As I said at the beginning, nothing is automatic when it comes to property and money. Um, and I, except for one thing, except for one thing. In a deed, that is either tenancy by the entirety or joint tenants with rights of survivorship, when one of the persons whose name is on the deed as joint tenants with rights of survivorship or tenants by the entirety, when one person dies, automatically the surviving persons own the property. That is automatic. That's how the deeds are set up, and that's how they operate. We may do what's called a confirmatory will, I mean, not will, deed that says we confirm that Mrs. Brown or Mr. Jones died, and therefore Mrs. Jones is the sole surviving owner. Uh, we may confirm that Mark, Matthew, and I don't want to be sacrilegious, I'm not going to say John, Joseph owned this property, and Joseph died, and so now it's owned by Mark and Matthew. But that is the one instance that is automatic, okay? So you want to use deeds, power of attorneys, um, not power of attorneys, payable on death beneficiary designations in your life insurance policies, your retirement accounts, your bank accounts, your brokerage accounts, where appropriate to transfer property without having to go through court. But in order to use those things, your parents have to set them up before they die. You cannot do it after they die with the power of attorney. The power of attorney dies with them. So your power to do anything dies with them when you have a power of attorney. It is no longer any good. So you're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. I'm trying to tell you what happens to property when someone dies, particularly someone as important as your parents. You don't automatically own the house. You don't automatically own what's in the house. You don't automatically do anything. Whatever is done is done according to law. And the law says who gets what and in what proportions. What is really, really important for you to understand is what that process is. And as I promised before, let me explain to you what happens with bank accounts when someone dies. I already explained what happens when you have a trust and how easy that one is, and the bank accounts are in the name of the trust. But let's say you don't have a trust, 
the, the money is in the name of your parent. With or without a will, you have to file the papers in court. You have to get appointed as personal representatives. In Prince George's County, that is the most efficient county here. When it comes to appoint, and when I say here, I mean in the Washington, D.C., Maryland area. Prince George's County's clerk's office, the Register of Wills office, I guess I should call it, is very, very efficient. If your papers are in order, they will immediately issue the letters of administration while you're sitting there when we used to be able to go into the office, okay? But as soon as they know that your papers are in order, the only other thing they do require is that you have a bond, and yet there's a bonding company literally right next door to them that you can walk across, get the bond, bring it back to them. They, you can walk out with your letters of administration. They are the most efficient office of register of wills in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. Montgomery County is very good. Many of the other counties are also very good, too. But they, in that, once they approve your papers, if there has to be a bond, which there almost always is in Maryland, um, uh, they get the papers out relatively quickly, relatively quickly. But they're mailed to you, okay? You don't walk out with them like you do in Prince George's County. D.C. requires not only are all your papers have to be approved by the legal department, but then it has to go to a judge. That judge has to approve the papers, and then it goes to and signs the abbreviated order, abbreviated probate order, appointing you. And then another clerk issues the letters of administration. And, you know, the documents are scanned, they're docketed, the letters come out, but they're coming out from two different places. Quite often, it's now down to about a month between when I file and when I get them. The documents are scanned and documented. I get those back by mail, and then about a week or two later, I get the actual letters of administration. The letters of administration are the documents that you need in order to get access to the bank account. And so if you've been listening and you hear all these things that have to happen, you realize why you cannot depend upon the money that's in your parents' bank accounts to bury them with. It can easily take a month, two months, sometimes longer before the letters of administration are issued. And that's what's absolutely required by a bank to give you the money. They're not going to give you the money otherwise. They're not going to let you get access to them. They don't make exceptions to pay for funerals. They don't do that. That's why it's so important for you to know what happens and to make provisions ahead of time when your parents die or when anybody dies. So either have your parents, the best thing is still to have a will, okay? The other thing is to have payable on death beneficiary designations. That's helpful, but even then, the bank requires a debt certificate before they pay you the money. If your name is on there, they still want a debt certificate. And it's taking weeks to get debt certificates right now. It used to take only a day or two. But again, 
funeral homes rarely are going to take a body and go through the problem of getting a death certificate if they aren't sure they're going to get their money. So but once you get your letters of administration issued, you go to the bank with the letter. The letter has a seal, a raised seal of the court on it. You take the death certificate of the person that owned it and your identification, and your lawyer gets an EIN number, an employer identification number from the Internal Revenue Service or the estate. Let me summarize quickly what happens to your parents' property when they die. From a legal point of view, everything depends on what they did before they died. If there is a will, the will is submitted to the court, called admitted to probate. A petition is filed by the person named in the will to be the personal representative or executor. Information is given to the court as required about all the heirs, potential heirs that could have inherited with or without the will, as well as the name and addresses of all the legatees, um, meaning the persons who got something from the will. And then the letters of administration are issued, which authorizes the named person to act and take control over the property and distribute it according to law. Without a will, a petition has to be filed by somebody who has priority to be appointed. It can be a spouse, a child. All children have equal rights, so that's a potential for dispute. It can also be a creditor, by the way. Um, mortgage companies can come in and file if nobody else does. Um, that person has to give the same information. And once the court accepts the petition, the letters of administration issue, and they now have control or they have the authority to take control over the property and distribute it according to law. If there's a will, a, a valid will that has been admitted to probate, then they pay the bills, including funeral expenses, health care, debt, creditors, whatever there might be, taxes have to get paid, and whatever is left over is passed on according to the directions of a will when there's a will or according to the directions of the intestate succession law if there is no will. In all cases where there is a will or without a will, there is at least a six-month period that's often you have to wait even after appointment because creditors have that much time to come in and file claims. And you don't distribute, or at least it's not wise to distribute, money or assets to persons unless there's a lot of money and you have enough where you can set up a sufficient reserve to pay for any creditors that may show up uh, within that six-month period. Um, once those creditors are paid, Taxes are filed, all the money is collected, bills are done, claims are resolved, then the property can be turned over to the heirs at law if there is no under intestacy, if there is no will. And if there is a will, a deed should be done from the personal representative 
to the appropriate person, and that deed should be recorded so that everything ends up out of the name of the deceased person and into the names of the person who is alive. The same thing happens with a trust, but usually much more efficiently and quickly in that the property is either distributed to the person named or the property is sold. <clears throat> same thing in an in a, in a estate, though, I must say, in a probate. The property can be sold in an estate as well. The personal representative usually can sell the property unless there is a dispute or some other reason not to. And if the property is sold, the money is put into the estate account or into the trust account where there's a trust. Again, all the bills have to be paid, and then the money is distributed according to the terms of the will or the terms of the trust. Uh, or a t- according to the law of intestacy. You've been listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. I'm trying to give you practical information for you to know, for you to share with your um, parents, with your loved ones, your grandparents, your nieces, your nephews, your adult children, because anyone that is an adult, particularly if you have a house, even if you're still paying on it, you have life insurance, if you have children, should have a last will and testament, a power of attorney and advanced medical directive. I have begun to post these programs on the Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell podcast. Um, I have a company that's helping me who's really good. And I'll be giving you the name of that company shortly. Um, so please do stay tuned. So if you have if if you have this type of work that you'd like someone to help you with, uh, as soon as I'm able to, I'll be glad to give you that number, that contact information. Um, but you will be able to find Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell on Spotify and Apple Podcast and all those other places that podcast go so that if you have missed the show, you'll be able to go there and listen to them at any uh, at any time. And you'll be able to send other people there where they can listen and get this information as well. I'm doing my best to get this out because people have property. They work hard for their money and money is hard to come by. And you work hard, you save, you sacrifice, and you don't want it wasted. You don't waste it yourself and don't let anybody else waste it either. So preserve it, protect it, pass it on, uh, whether it's to family, to your church, to charities, for schools, for research, whatever. Whatever it is, uh, there are great causes out there. People can always use money to help somebody else, to help your your religion, your faith, your your neighborhood. Um, so please do get your wills, your trust, your power of attorneys done. Work with an estate planning lawyer that does this kind of work. Have them review your deeds to make sure 
that your property is properly titled, if you live in a house and your name isn't on the deed and you think it should be, please get in touch with the lawyer to get that done. If you've been listening today and you realize that your parents died, they owned the house or they had bank accounts, and nothing was done, nothing was ever changed, there was no probate opened, or maybe there was a probate open and you never heard anything else from it, give us a call if you're in Washington, D.C., Maryland, or Northern Virginia, and we'll look into it if possible and see what may have happened. Sometimes we can determine, and sometimes we can't. But don't wait. The longer you wait, the less likely it is that there will be a recovery. Although when it comes to title to deeds and property, there's always some kind of a public record. Okay, so give us a call at Wills and Trust LLC. This is all we do. It's 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828, and we'll be glad to work with you and try to get things straightened out for you. Um, in the meantime, please get your shot, get vaccinated, uh, and still stay safe. Be careful out there. Have a good day.